right, here we are. Here we are. Welcome back. Welcome back. Here we are. Welcome back. <laughs> You're like dancing. Like, <laughs> well, I, let's not uh, overstate. I think it was just more of a, you know, a head bob. It's like the fish stick. You probably... sure was that what it was? The fish, <laughs> the fish stick? stick. Yeah. Sorry. Uh, that's great. I don't know so, what that is. No. Well, you know, someday look it up on the internet. The fish stick. It was a dance. Right. Sort of it was a mock. A it was. It was like a mock dance um anyway i think i think we don't well, want to go down this rabbit hole well thanks uncle scott thank you yeah. for back in my day we had to name every dance because we had to be able to tell them apart so we could tell each other which dance we were doing are you uh, doing great. the twist no sir oh, i am doing uh, the fish stick mm. mm-hmm. that's that right there that's my joy this week <laughs> <laughs> i'm doing the yibbity yab i haven't heard uh, of that one Woo. All right, this is si- this is science in between. Not not, not old man Scott. <laughs> this is old man Scott, bro. And this is Ollie. <laughs> just regular Ollie. Just regular Ollie. I am also old man Ollie. Just uh, just not, not today. Not just channeling that today. Just not channeling that side of me. Yeah. <laughs> okay so there we go that's that's the show i hope you enjoyed it we'll we, catch we, you next time we call it old man scott and regular guy ollie have a chat here we are um this week on our show we're gonna talk about engineering right sure engineering. sure why not why not, why not? We're, we're here we gotta talk we're about here. something might as well might talk as well about something <laughs> Can't just sit here staring at each other. I will. I will um, say that even though they're they're a big part of the NGSS, uh, we we haven't really talked about them. I was looking through our like, you know, show notes and things from like all the episodes. We haven't really talked about them. We've mentioned them here and there, but like not like dedicating episodes to them or you know getting into them in depth. But you know, no. and that's something. And that's something we're you know trying to effort a little more with our professional development. Excuse me. <laughs> um, yep. It sure yep. is a thing that we're being asked to include as we think about the whole uh, the whole professional development thing. That is, the yeah, because it is one of the things that I, I with the with the folks we're working with, um, we did some needs assessment, and that was the two areas that sort of bubbled up were, you know, how do we do this with elementary school students, you know, students that are at the younger grades? How do we, you know, implement next generation science standards, and how do we? implement uh engineering across the boards and so those are two big areas that we're seeking to to address in our professional development coming up this year yeah yeah Yeah. i mean i think so so quick step backwards um you know we talk about the ngss and we we talk about the steels which is the pennsylvania version of those and one and we talk about one of the big shifts being that they include science and engineering practices um, as one of the components of the standards. So they are, they are their own thing. They are not part of the disciplinary core ideas. They're not part of the content. They're a set of practices that kids are supposed to engage in. And one of the big changes, like Ali said, that we haven't really talked about in the new standards is the explicit naming of science and engineering practices. So that right. there is an explicit mention now in the standards that there should be engineering uh, as part of learning science. Now we can even talk about that. Like do, do, cause a lot of schools are, well, not a lot of schools, 
it's hard to know yet because a lot of schools aren't doing much of anything with this. But but as this shift is happening, um, the question is, where do those engineering things live? Do they live in science? Do they live in tech ed? Do they live in some split between those places? And a lot of schools have sort of gone gone away from tech ed. So those programs don't exist in, in a lot of schools anymore, especially um, below high school level. So, uh, yeah, I think it's just it's it's an interesting question, but I think it, it's worth talking about, like, why, why put engineering in right. and then what do we do about it now that it's there? Because it doesn't impact the DCIs, really. The DCIs are the the content of the science that we're learning is still the same. But there's this new thing now around the practices. Yeah. So just to, for all the folks out there who m- might not be NGSS friendly or knowledgeable, uh, DCI, disciplinary core idea, cross-cutting concepts, those are CCCs, those are you know these big ideas that go across all the disciplines and all the practices. And these last ones are these science engineering practices. There's eight of them, and we could talk about them in a little bit more in depth. Um, but the, you know, they're all, uh, I hear them called SEPs, you know, um, mm-hmm. science engineering, engineering practices. Um, and for the most part, they're, they're similar for most of them. Like they, they have like, what I mean by that is they differentiate between science and engineering, which is a handful of them. Like, cause some of the practices are across both of those domains, both science yeah. and engineering, something like, you know, developing and using models that's across both domains. Right. But when it's something like uh, asking questions, that's a little bit more sciencey and then defining problems. That's more engineering side. So yeah. they, they l- lump those two together under, under, under similar practice because they involve similar types of, you know, thinking and different types of, um, you know, ways of, of, of knowing. Um, but, uh, they differentiate between what we do in science versus what we do in engineering. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, we're in education, we're in an applied field, right? Which is what engineering is as well. Um, and so for those of you who aren't sort of savvy or thought have thought much about the difference between science and engineering, I think it's worth talking a, a bit about the underlying premise of what these differences are, right? So science, we talk about all the time, is about developing models of natural phenomenon, things in the world that we see that we're trying to understand how they work and developing explanations for those things. Engineering is explicitly about the design of human-made stuff to solve problems. Problems. And, And those problems can vary, you know, a lot. You know, it's an engineering problem to figure out, like, what kind of insulation should you put in a coat to keep you warmest. Um, it's, it's also an engineering problem to think about, like, how do you build a bridge that spans a certain distance? But, but one of the big things about engineering is there's always constraint. So you always have different kinds of constraints. Sometimes it might be financial constraints. You can't like you, if, if the best insulating material costs, you know, $10,000 an ounce, well, that's not viable. You can't make a coat out of material that's $10,000 an ounce. So, um, and, you know, some things are more delicate than others. So if you're building a bridge, you know, well, you could make a really light and uh, pretty strong bridge out of some materials, but they might, 
you know, break under certain circumstances because of their, their, um, the attributes of those materials. So there's a, there, one of the things about engineering is there's a, a sense of like tinkering and thinking through, um, multiple factors when you're, when you're trying to solve a problem. So you, unlike science where you're just trying to understand, this is really applying that knowledge to a, a context to try and, to try and solve a problem. Yeah. And, and I think a lot about like, you know, okay, what's the, what's the end goal? Like what's the end goal of like the NGSS, like in terms of not just like, what do we want kids to know, but what do we want our, our, our citizens to be right. Mm -hmm. And like, I think it's pretty clear that what we want with, from the science side of things is that we want folks to be able to, you know, if they don't go into science and they're not practicing science, at least they understand how science is practiced and how evidence and explanations you know, are used and how they're generated and how to evaluate them, right? So that they, when they come to, you know, a, in, you know, an explanation or an argument that someone's giving, that they can evaluate that and say, hmm, is this, is this good evidence or what evidence are they bringing to bear to this? Because, you know, there's lots of misinformation. I think on the engineering side of things, I think it's, it's similar in that what they want them to be able to do is to like look at, maybe problems or solutions that are presented and say, okay, you know, what are the constraints here like that are are present in this situation and what makes it a good solution, right? Because right. like the the reality is that, you know, as consumers, you know, we are going to be faced with like buying cars, you know, you know, buying, you know, fixing up our houses and things like mm -hmm. that. And mm -hmm. there are lots of solutions. Like when we go, okay, I, I have to get new windows. Like what are the things you're going to do? consider as an adult, like going, okay, I want to put new windows in my house. That's an engineering thing. And it, the, yeah. it, it, bringing engineering types of practices to that problem is going to get you to a different solution than just saying, okay, well, I'm going to get, you know, my, my, my brother Bob to put him in and just have him do it. Well, there's like all these different kinds of windows you can put in and you need to consider those kinds of constraints. Not like, are you looking for energy efficiency? That would be a really good thing to consider. Right. And so I, I think that like kind of looking at that end game to me is helpful. Like what are some of the ways that this can help, you know, our, our citizens, you know, think, you know, I don't know. Yeah. No, I think, I think that's right. No, I think that's right. I mean, I think it's it um, can help in terms of like what kinds of thinking does it develop that's different than science? I think that's yep. right, it, it, is that it develops a, a consideration of variables in a very different way, right? In science, you're just using variables as independent and dependent. When this one goes up, that one goes down or whatever, like that's a way of understanding data. But in engineering, you're 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 maximizing certain things and minimizing other things and you're trying to you know optimize a solution right based on things that you consider right so it could be energy efficiency it could be cost it could be um it could be ease of installation it could be design what does it look like right, right? so there's so many things that can go into those decisions and um helping students have experiences where they have to work through problems in that context where they have constraints and they're trying to solve a problem and they can't do everything um, is, is a really good uh, set of experiences for kids to have because they are different than science. They're, it's not about explaining things. It's about trying to optimize solutions. So I think um, just in principle, the, you know, the idea of engineering ed um, is, 
you know, makes a lot of sense as an important civic skill for all people to have. Right. And I will say like we, we and I've talked about this in other episodes is that, uh, you know, when I was you know teaching physics, I always incorporated an engineering type of, you know, activity project every every marking period, something where the students were taking the subjects we were learning and applying it in some way, whether it was like building um, a water balloon launcher or building, you know, a uh, a sleigh at Christmas time that would, you know, throw a package into a, into a, you know, a house, um, you know, just, just something where they were had to, you know, build or solve some sort of problem or some sort of, you know, the classic Goldberg constraint. Uh, yeah. That problem. But, you know? but let's talk about those because I think it's worth talking about because I, I mean, I don't, I don't know because I didn't, I wasn't in your class. I didn't see what sure. you did. But my sense is because I did those things too the egg drop, the, right. the, the roller coaster things. Um, my sense is, at least from my own experience, is that those were not actually engineering. Those were sort of just like fun things that kids did that were mostly trial and error and didn't draw on. Um, like real engineering design as sure. a set of practices. So I guess, but but I say that because I well, want to talk about why and right and why and I don't different. take and I don't take that sort of analysis, you know, negatively. I mean, I was doing this in in sort of a bubble before yeah. these, you know. I mean, I think our understanding of engineering education has changed markedly over the last oh for sure twenty years, right? Well, and it, the, it wasn't even a thing, right? Right. It, there was right. tech ed and tech ed was like wood shop and metal shop. Right. And, and even that has evolved. Like now, now tech ed tends to be computers and programming and robotics and all this other, you know, stuff that it's evolved into. But yeah, I, I'm, I don't think it is a critique. It's just, but I think for the average human who hasn't thought about this, like, well, why isn't designing a sled that throws packages into the chimney um, at, at holiday times? Why is that not an engineering problem? Because it sounds like one. Right. Well, I think, it, you know, this is where we can look at the science and engineering practices to see, you know, that's mm -hmm. a really good starting point, you know, for us to, to like maybe unpack that a little bit. And, you know, so what, um, and maybe I'll just go through them just to, you know, so that we're all on the same page. So the, the science and engineering practices as uh, listed in uh, next generation science standards are asking questions and defining problems. That's the first one, you know, that's sort of cross both domains, uh, asking qu questions as the science side, mm -hmm. defining problems for engineering, developing and using models. That's the second one, um, planning and carrying out investigations. That's the third mm -hmm. one analyzing and interpreting data, using mathematics and computational thinking, um, constructing explanations, that's for the science side, and designing solutions, that's for engineering side, engaging in argument from evidence, and obtaining, evaluating, and communicating information. Mm -hmm. Now, they're presented as discrete, you know, practices. Well, in two, in two of the in the constructing explanations, designing solutions, one, and in the asking questions, defining problems, but the rest, and it, this is an interesting point. I think like, um, my, my colleagues, um, Greg Kelly and Christine Cunningham, who are engineering ed folks, especially Christine and Greg sort of a transplant to that community. Um, like they talk about that you have to rethink or think about all of these practices as manifesting differently in engineering than they do in science. Sure. So, so when you say like, um, 
planning and carrying out investigations, that looks very different in science than it does in engineering. It does in engineering, yeah. Even though the, in principle, you could say both of them are doing investigations, they are quite different um, right. in engineering. So, how so, Scott? How, how, how are so, they? How so, Uncle Scott? Well, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, I mean, I think I think the point, you know, again, is usually when you're when you're doing a science investigation of some kind, what you're trying to do is gather data that's going to help you better understand the phenomenon. So it it'll clarify some part of your current model that you don't understand. You're like, well, why is it that you know this thing is happening as part of the phenomenon? Um, in engineering, you're designing investigations uh, to do sort of small scale testing, typically, or some kind of prototyping, where you're developing some version of the thing that you're going to ultimately design to test it, to see how it works, where it fails, what parts of it do what you expect and what parts of it don't, so that you can use that as information to redesign the the thing that you're trying to design. So you're so it's an improvement purpose, but not the you're not trying to improve an explanation, you're trying to improve a improve product. The problem. Yeah, that, that's yeah, the solution, the solution. Yeah, that's right. Well, so what I was I was saying that we they're presented as being discrete as if mm. like these eight are like separate from oh, one another, right. but but there's a lot of interplay like between these eight practices. They're Absolutely. not like so they they inform each other, they lead into each other. They're not always like, hey, we're like we're in the planning and carrying out investigation stage. We gotta stay here before we move into the analyzing and interpreting data stage. Mm-hmm. No, those things are like constantly it's a fluid process. And my and it's not always linear. Like I, I that's my concern with presenting anything like a list. And this is where, you know, mm. I'm gonna channel my inner mm. Scott, yeah. you know. Lists. <laughs> Old man, Uncle Scott, um, where, you know, when you present a list, especially when you list one, uh, one as one and the other one is eight and you put them in some numeric, numerical order, I think that people interpret them to be, okay, this is sequential. Yeah. You do the you do one first, then you do the second one second, and so on. Just like we've done with like, you know, the, you know, scientific method, like, you know. Mm-hmm. Sure. And that, that's my concern with this is that, yeah. you know, we're going to that one, we're going to teach these as discrete, as separate. Then we're going to teach them in isolation from one another mm-hmm. and that that interplay is like, hold on, we're not going to do that step yet. We're, we're going to hold off. We're not at right. the interpretation stage yet. We're still at it's like, hold on. Yeah. Yeah. No. And, and that's certainly a problem for for any of these. Well, any sort of list, maybe what they should do is. um make it a bulleted list and randomize it every time they present it. So the, so the list is always different in order when they present it to you. Yeah. Uh, there, there are going to be some folks who her brains would explode from that. They would just yes. like lists are in, it is an ordered list, not an unordered list. It's like, well, yeah. it's not really, but I, I guess I'd like to go back to, you know, one of these traditional things that you and I both did and and try and talk a little bit and unpack a little bit why they aren't engineering why they're oh, that's just a good, sort of that's a good idea yeah trial and error things um and i guess that's part of it too is you know the the core of engineering isn't just trial and error they don't just try things out and hope that they work they use science and principles of science to apply to the context that they're trying to understand and then they use those to guide decision making about design 
And then they design something and get feedback from that process and return to their design. Again, not to just tweak it in a trial and error way, but to try and understand like what what is it that didn't work the way we expected and how can we use that information to change our design? So that seems like one of the core things that I know I'm, I mean, I don't think I ever even really asked my kids to describe the science of what they were doing with the egg drop beyond like the the vaguest sort of like increase air resistance and reduce uh, on impact things like, you know, well, if you spread the force over a bigger time and stuff like that. Like momentum and impulse are big ones there. Like that. I mean, I would, I would do that. That would, that'd be a way that I would, because I'd have them calculate it, right? Hey, let's calculate the momentum and impulse Mm. of the, you know? Um, But I I don't think that I use that in any way to inform their design. I mean, I think it was more just a, hey, let's do this. We've just spent the, the the class period you know let's it's it's the um we had all this fun sauce right yeah and then, you know let's let's let's, let's do some ha- death march right we've got to or it doesn't have it's got to have some rigor right right rigor there we go all right so so if it's going to be rigorous we got to do math we have to otherwise do otherwise it's not really rigorous it's just like qualitative nonsense right yeah, and we all talking. know qualitative just just made up stuff right it's just made up stuff it's just you're just making stuff up yeah yeah so (laughs) yeah well what so what else do you think is different about the the like the roller coaster or the or the egg drop or whatever um and we think about with engineering yeah so i think one of the things is that um that who who defines the problem Right. Mm. I think that's a, that's a big one. And most of these, I would say in most of the situations I had my students do, um, I was the one who defined the problem. I was the one who said, okay, here's the problem we're we're solving. This is the, the project we're working on. And I gave them the constraints in mm-hmm. which they had to work. Right. Yeah. So there was never any opportunity for them to define the problem or to get them involved in even identifying what the constraints of the problem were. Mm-hmm. Right. Or like, or even unpack the success of that. And I think not only with this, you know, the projects I did in my class, but for a number of years, I was the the Science Olympiad coordinator, right? Oh, yeah. There you go. And so the Science Olympiad has a a, one's projects that they would consider to be engineering, you know, whether it's like, you know, um, the, uh, there's an egg vehicle one where you have to, you know, take, you know, move an egg down a road and stop before the egg crashes the wall. Um, and there's other ones too, but in all of those, you, you get this big, huge manual, right. That says, here's right. all of the rules, all the problems are outlined for you, all the constraints and, you know, and it's, it, they approach it. I would say, cause I've seen students do this as trial and error. They do it from a, they, yeah. they may look at it and say, okay, how do we improve this? You know, and maybe they bring to bear, um, some, some math and some science and some calculations, but a lot of it's, it's trial and error. Yep. Yeah. And, and I think that that is certainly a fundamental difference between these, these two kinds of, um, you know, between the, between the, the version that is school science and the version that it is school engineering. Um, but I think, yeah, I'm trying to think of, of what, uh, what struck me. Cause something you said really struck me, but, I, but I'll talk through it and see if I can remember. Um, but I mean, I think the, the key bit about this is that you're not just, um, like you're, you're not just randomly 
uh, choosing things to change. Um, you're trying to determine using these investigations what what aspects of your design are working or not working and using that data to make changes iteratively on your design. So you're trying to improve it with small tests. And I think the other thing is, this is what I was thinking about is, is, you know, was your point about who defines the problem? It's also the kind of problem that you define, like the egg drop or the, you know, the sleigh shooting a package into the, into the chimney. Like those are funny or clever, right? but they're not really problems real that problems engineers would right. want even be interested in. Right. You know? And so, um, so th- I think that's part of it too. It's sort of, it's often like what we do with science. Like it's sort of like the discrepant event notion, right? Right. It's like, Oh, isn't that really cool? But really it's, it, that's not the function of it. It's, it's to, you know, to be a problem that the teacher knows the answer to. So, um, so I think this question of like, how do you pick engineering problems is really important because you want to pick something like, you know, well, how would you decide how to insulate a house um, least expensively if you were designing, say, um, you know, a home that had to to live, uh, you know, had to be in Alaska versus a home that had to be in Arizona? Like, would you design those homes differently? Are they the same? What What are the, and, you know, that's the teacher defined problem again, but that's at least a problem that an engineer might be trying to solve and that your science understanding, which might be about heat and heat transfer, for example, might be usefully applied to this context. Yeah. So, so I think it's the relevancy piece, right? It's like relevancy and real world application, like, you know, the, um, the egg drop, the, you know, water balloon launcher, those things are, you know, there are, really isolated from any real world context. Yeah. Yeah. And they're just like a fun little idea you had. Sure. Wait, not you, but like no, they were my fun ideas. Teacher. No doubt. Yeah. Physics, Physi- the physics teacher had. community. No That's doubt. The beginning right? of time. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. So and they I were, think- they were a blast. Don't get me wrong. They were a blast and the students yeah. had a lot of fun with them. But you know, I think just like we, when we, you know, approach problems, you can approach them from different perspectives, you know, look, looking at those, you know, activities and projects now from a different perspective, you know, from the fun perspective, like there's no doubt from getting kids to take physics perspective, you know, when we were, when kids were walking into the school, carrying their water balloon launchers, they they were like, what are those kids doing? Oh, I want to take physics, you know? So from those metrics, from those, you know, perspectives and points of view it was like oh that you know this was really successful however if we're going to break it down and and really examine it from okay what what about the science and engineering practices do those activities teach and and are they doing it in some sort of authentic way the answer is no yeah absolutely not yeah yeah and you know again like the the idea that there's a, a sense of the design process in that I don't yeah. think there's any unpacking or there, there isn't any unpacking of the design process. It's just like, okay, here's the problem. Go figure out some stuff right. that you think might work for this. It's not like a, a, there, there are not, 
they're not practices in the same way that we're talking about with these, you know, science and engineering practices where they're doing some kind of investigation. They're not seeing this as an investigation where they're trying to understand something so that they can better design it. They're just seeing it as trial and error, uh, throwing stuff at the wall and seeing what sticks. Yeah, it's a solution that they got to work, right? That they and there's no opportunity for them to like really think about the design and how mm-hmm. it solves the problem and comparing designs and learning from that process. Right. There's you know, a good it, one too, yeah. Yeah. There's there's so many missed opportunities there, you know. Right. Because yeah, for example, I think that's a great one. Like we we talk about that in in our in when we're talking about science all the time, but why not have kids do all their drawings of their design? Okay, here's what we think is going to be the design and then share those out across groups. And then everybody learns from each other about like how they're thinking about it. Well, what, what's your thinking? Why do you think this is going to work? That's going to work. Right. And then you go back to the drawing board and, and, uh, and so, so that idea of communication and sharing ideas because more ideas leads to better ideas. Um, you know, can works just as well in engineering as it does in science. So starting to think about these structures um, working in the same way in engineering as they do in science, I think, you know, makes sense. Yeah. And I, my concern is that um, one, that science teachers approach this like, okay, that doesn't happen in, it's not happening in my class. It should be happening right. down the hall in, in the te- technology or tech ed group, you know, tech ed classes. Those classes are, you know, there's not a whole lot of those classes in schools anymore. Like, yeah. you know, you and I took, you know, I'm sure you took like drafting or, you know, yep. way back in the day, architectural drawing, mm-hmm. you know, when you actually did. did this yep. by hand, you know, and now that class is like a CAD class. There's schools that don't, aren't, they don't have CAD classes, not a whole lot mm-hmm. of them, you know, and there's yep. certainly not a whole lot of, I mean, in the state of Pennsylvania, there are two schools that certify tech ed tech teachers. Ed teachers. Yep. Millersville is one of them. Yep. And we have like, I think this semester we have like maybe 15 students. Yep. So that means 15 of the two, and we're the larger of the two right, programs. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. So that means we are going to, you know, certify, put out there 15 new tech ed teachers this year. Yeah. Mm. Mm. Well, and yeah, I mean, and then, you, but you look at schools like it's that and agriculture education are the, are two things that actually Pennsylvania, has held on to pretty well, and yet they have dropped precipitously over the last 10, 15 years, right? I mean, to the point where if your school has a tech ed program in it, um, it's it's sort of a miracle. And if it exists, your kids probably get it, you know, maybe for an hour once every five or six day cycle, right? So it's not, they're not getting a lot of it. They're getting sort of just a superficial wash of it. So I think you bring up, you know, the the other big point here is, okay, well, that all sounds really good, but where does this go in the curriculum? Right. Because we're already, you know, teachers are already, especially in Pennsylvania, the biology teachers are like, look, you cannot jam any more flour into my five pound bag. It's already got 10 pounds in it. And I can't, right. I can't handle trying to do the keystone exam and do engineering Right. Um, that was exactly what is good. Is, is this stuff going to be on the test? Because if it's not going to be on the test and I'm not teaching it, then forget it. Right. Yeah. And that, like we, in every professional development we do, mm. it, inevitably it goes to there. It goes mm. to 
is this on the test? Are they rewriting the test? What's the test look like? How many questions they're going to have on, you know, science and learning practices. And yeah. if they, if we like, Hey, I don't know how much it's going to be. Well, I'm not going to change yeah. because, because that's, you know, well, I mean, it, our teachers are really not much different than our students. Cause they're just like, our students ask that question all the time. Is this going to be on the test? Mm-hmm. You know? And if, if, and somehow saying, no, it's not going to be on the test means, okay, then it's not important because we only right. test what's important. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Though I think, you know, one advantage potentially, though, I don't think teachers do this in, at least in high schools, right. Which is um, to say, well, okay, physics, chemistry, earth science, environmental science, like you all are not part of the Keystone exam. So right. after eighth grade, you don't get evaluated. So you could do all the engineering you want. You could make your class half engineering and it wouldn't make any difference in terms of the test because, the test only tests biology. So, you know, then they have to think of a different set of objections for those folks, which is usually like, well, I got to prepare them for the next class or for college. Yeah. Right. Which also is like, holy cow. So, so there's always a reason not to change. It's just the reason for not changing changes as you go to different, you know, as you have different constraints on you. Yeah. Like, um, I, I, I think so. My son is is right now taking a uh, a college course, right? So a dual enroll class. So he's a he's a high school senior and he's taking uh, a college composition class. And so mm-hmm. one of the things that he's been spending this time um, looking at is logical fallacies, like mm-hmm. you know, yeah. and and it's it's being you know reacquainted with those, mm-hmm. you know. Cause he, he, we're talking about them. Like, he's like, Oh, this is a straw man argument. This is it, you know? And it's so wild. Cause like you see that. So, the, so many of those lo- uh, logical fallacies in, you know, people's arguments, whenever they're like, you know, armoring up to do, to not do things. Right. right. Yep. Armoring yeah. up to not do things. There's, and right. there's so many ways to armor up. Right. Like, right. You, you know, yeah. I mean, this, we we probably don't want to spin into this because it's no. a different topic. But we've certainly talked about this, right? The challenges of of um of of teacher learning around change, right? And we've certainly talked a lot about change, how minds change, and um, how we think about that in different learning contexts. But but maybe it's time to sort of put a bow on the engineering and say we'll we'll revisit this. Um, but I think it, we needed to at least talk a little bit about this because it's. As Ali mentioned originally, it's something that's come up amongst the teachers that we're working with, that they're being asked by school districts that they work with, well, what do we do about this engineering thing? How do we incorporate it? How do we think about it? Um, and we we do have a structural challenge in um, bringing engineering into the classroom because there isn't an obvious place to put it except science, a little bit of tech ed. And science is already feeling like we've got a lot to do. And now you're trying to jam this whole new thing down our throat. And how are we going to do this? I think we should dedicate an episode to just the logical fallacies that we oh, encounter. Okay. All right. I like yeah, it. Yeah. With, with our professional development, like yeah. the, the arguments yeah. that folks make, you know, because I think that we could probably do a pretty good job of, you know, doing a, a you know, a, a walk through a comparison, a crosswalk, you know? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Because we, I'm sure we hear all those things. Right? Oh my gosh. Yeah. 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 But it goes back to, well, no, 
we're not doing that. We're not, we're not going to talk about <laughs> other things. We're going to stay on topic. Stay All right. On to- okay. Stay on target. Stay on target. <laughs> Which is hard for us. Yeah, it is a little bit. But now, uh, while staying on target, we can maybe talk about um, Joyce. 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 I, I, I have one. I am um, so excited that the great British Bake Off is back. It's back. You know? Well, it's been back, so it's probably like I'm in episode four or five um, that the new season started, you know, a handful of weeks ago. And we, we try to watch them like as they come out because we, you know, it just brings us so much joy. Um, but it is such a different competition, quote unquote, competition than than other things you see. And I think part of it is just that you get to see um, how, you know, uh, English society interacts with each other. Right? Mm. I think that like how they interact with each other, how they support each other. There are multiple times in episodes where somebody's struggling and other people will come and give them a hand, mm-hmm. you know, cause they're like, Hey, we're they're They're bakers just like us. Like, you know, mm. we've been in their We've been in their shoes and, you know, we've ultimately had go wrong. we've had things go wrong. And so why not give them a hand? And it's, it's like, it's really more about, you know, trying to make the best bake or try to like navigate the, you know, the challenges as best they can and do it in some sort of collaborative, you know, and not lose their soul while they do that. Like they very mm-hmm. rarely have somebody who comes on who's like that, you know, that person who just is such a bully or such a, you know, mm-hmm. so competitively minded that they just, you know, bulldoze through through everybody. They just don't have those kinds of people on there. Mm-hmm. And they're just like all likable. And mm-hmm. It's such a different, like, do you watch that show? Oh yeah, sure. I haven't seen yeah. the new season, but I've seen many, many seasons of it. So yeah. Yeah. And there's just so many, they're so likable. Like the people are just so likable, yeah. you know, and they're all kind of, kind of quirky, you know? Yeah. Uh, yeah. And they, they clearly select for certain archetypes. There's always, you know, different, you know, there's always the little old bitty who, you know, has great right. kids and does that. And then there's the young kid who's right. usually under 20 and like, but has been baking with their grandma or their mom since they were six. Sure. And yeah, but it, but all that's good. I mean, you expect that, right? I mean, those are the, the, the fascinating things about those, those, uh, you know, reality shows is that they aren't exactly reality, but they it is a lovely show and that you know the people are do look out for each other and and don't see it as like i'm trying to beat you well i think the the other thing i mean like you talk about like these archetypes but i think that the archetypes besides you know making for a good show mm. it communicates to you as a viewer anyone can bake yeah agree right like one yeah. of the things that happened like probably like 3 seasons ago is they had a uh somebody who had a disability on Mm. and so the the person was very you know was a very good baker was somebody who was very competitive and like made it pretty far along but it seems like that archetype has now been like they they have a student um, a student a baker on this season who um i think has cochlear implants um, but okay. they have a signer on on in on the episode on the show. Mm. So nice. and and early on in the first couple of episodes, they're like you know telling the folks that if they're going to speak to this can this speaker that they have to like look at her, they have to make sure that she uh, sees her. Yeah, yeah, she yeah, sees yeah. them because um because of the rip lip le- re- lip reading. Um, mm. but I I think that it's really clear that the the hidden message here is everyone can bake, everybody yeah. can. You know, 
Yeah. And that's cool. You know? Yeah. No, agreed. No, I yeah. love that show. It's, it's, uh, yeah, it's heartwarming goodness. There's nothing, yeah, there's nothing bad about it. Um, okay. So, uh, I'm going to stick with the TV trend here. Uh, so I, I had to do some travel, uh, recently some work travel. And I, when I do that, I sometimes try to load up my, my iPad with, uh, with a show to watch that I've been, you know, thinking about, but that I haven't gotten around to, um, for one reason or another. So I watched, um, set a seven episode series called tour de France unchained. So I'm a, I'm a bike person. I think this is known, um, yep. and I like the tour de France. It's, you know, it's the most famous and most intense bike race in the world. Um, and this is just, it's a French TV production. So a lot of it's in subtitles. Sometimes they talk in English, but a lot of it's in French. Um, and it's just a fantastic view into the interior of these events. And, you know, I mean, they talk about it a lot in the show, but one of the, one of the really fascinating things about bicycle racing is that it is an ultra endurance event, which there of which there are lots, right? Like Ironmans and ultra marathons and all these things these days. So this it's a 21 day race um, over you know hundreds thousands of miles over those three weeks, but um, it's also a team sport, um, and so it requires all sorts of strategy day to day and over the whole course of the tour and. You know, you can win a stage, which is just one day. So you can be the person who finishes first in that stage. But then there's the GC, the general competition that has um, all your time overall for the whole race. And so there's all this strategy about which rider on your team is the person that's the leader that's going to try and get that. Um, yeah, it's just really well done. And um, it follows a, a couple of different teams. So you get to get a view on different perspectives on how teams operate. But, um, but yeah, it's, it, I think people would enjoy it even who don't know much about bike racing because they, because they unpack it for you as best they can. But if you um, enjoy biking at all, you, I think you would find it fascinating. I mean, just the, the amount of suffering these, these, folks do in the in the three weeks is pretty astonishing like what they're willing to to endure is uh yeah it's it's amazing yeah i mean one of the things i think about like i've watched that a bunch of a bunch of uh years um yeah. and one of the things i wonder about is how that is going to change you know a decade or two decades from now mm. because as you know like we were in uh near france in july uh -huh. and it was hot it was hot yeah. europe is getting the summer months are getting hotter yep. and um and the in europe is not well prepared for that um no and so i wonder how that is going to happen um how that's going to affect like something like the tour de france you know yeah i think it's a really good question yeah there's yeah. it's amazing how much of um the world has gotten by without air conditioning yeah and, uh, and increasingly that's going to be more and more difficult to do in certain, in certain places. And, uh, yeah, it's, uh, yeah, it is scary. And, and this, this, it is hot. Like, and these guys are, I mean, they're climbing in the mountains, so the mountains helps a little, but, but still it's, uh, it's yeah. brutal. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Well, yeah, all right. you know, there you go. Science and engineering, tour de France, climate change. Great... We got it all baking. No, yeah. it's all there. Yeah. All there. 
We didn't even talk well, about gas stoves and baking, you know. Uh, uh-huh. I love my gas stove. I love it. I love it. We can't do this. Love it. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah. We won't talk about yeah. it. You're going to have to pry it from you've my been, hands. You've been, con- <laughs> you've been convinced by big gas. Yes. He's won over. Oh, um, we, well, I, we won't, we won't go there, but I, I was make, well, I was going to go there, but we could, we could put a pin in that, but that might be my joy next week is my okay. gas stove. Yes. Yeah. There you go. All right. All right. And if it is, we'll catch you next time. In between. See you then. Bye now.